Welcome to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast on the WITRN Network. Come join us as we study the Word of God together. Go get your Bible and let's see what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. Sister Lady, open us up in prayer. Father God, we just come to you, Lord, first of all, to just say thank you. We thank you for truly this is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And Father, as we study your word, let us hide your word in our hearts that we will not sin against thee. Bless your word. And as we go forth, let Jesus increase and us decrease. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Sunday and last we talked about uh, the bread of life. Um, we're going to start at verse 1, but we're actually going to start our Bible study at verse, uh, around verse 13, 14, which from 1 to 13 or 14, you have the complete temptation of Jesus, and uh, we'll go from there. So, so far we've had the predicted birth of Jesus, we had the three witnesses of Jesus, we had the birth of John the Baptist, we had the, the, the miracle, uh, the angel visiting both uh, Elizabeth and who else? Who's Elizabeth's husband? Zechariah. And then we also had the angel visiting Mary. And we know the angel visited uh, Mary's husband, Joseph, and he was a witness. And then we had the three witnesses. Who were the three witnesses that witnessed to Jesus? Anna. Anna. Who else? Simeon, and, well, and the and and the shepherds, right? Okay, we had those three witnesses right off the top, and then we know the wise men came later because Jesus and them was in a in a home, uh, and and that's part is skipped over. Now in chapter four, we really have uh, the temptation of Jesus. And then we have him beginning his Galilean ministry. Okay, we had the beginning of his Galilean ministry, so. Um, it kind of picks up further down the line because when we get to verse 14, just think about this chapters one through four in John have taken place. So, you know, if you want to see something chronological kind of to look at it, you know, cause it goes from, from, from him being tempted to his ministry being started. But in that time, if you go back and read uh, John, uh, the gospel of John verses one through four, that has taken place, okay? You got uh, him being arrested and all that stuff, John the Baptist. It's my John the Baptist now. So what we're going to do is start on verse 1. And uh, Lueda, I want you to read from 1 to uh, uh, 13. Okay. And then Freedom, I'm going to have you pick up when I need you at 13. Okay. <clears throat> I'm reading out the uh, New King James Okay, that's version. fine. Whatever okay. version you got is fine okay. with us. New King James. New King James. Read. Okay. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted 40 days by the devil. So we got, we talked about that Sunday. He didn't just go. He was led into the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Okay? So there's a plan. There's always a plan when temptation or testing has happened is to test you read Sunday, test your heart and your humility, okay? Test your heart and humility. And one of the ways we're tested is, is in our flesh, things of our flesh. So fasting builds your spiritual strength because you're actually denying your flesh 
what it needs to feed on, okay? Your flesh don't do nothing but some food, okay? But your spirit, man, needs the word of God, okay? And again, I always recommend fasting. For, for, and, and, and fasting has been proved for health reasons in your flesh and mostly, uh, I believe, spiritual. I fast often um, during the week, at least once a week, I do some kind of fast. And I'm not talking about that that newfangled stuff where, you know, we're going to fast from TV, we're going to fast, you know, from the radio. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about truly denying myself food. Now, during that time, I'm not looking at TV. I don't look at TV much anyway. But, you know, I'm not. I'm studying the Word of God. I'm meditating. And I'm doing more meditation. You know what I'm saying? I really want God to reveal something to me like he revealed to me about the bread of life. I want him to, to truly have a clear path to enter into my heart, okay? And that's prescribed in the Bible. I mean, we see Jesus fasting. We see Jesus drawing from the word of God, uh, uh, even though his flesh had been denied and he was tempted by the devil. All right, go ahead. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Mm -hmm. Natural man, hungry. So when they say Jesus 50-50, a 50-50 man would not get hungry. 100% man would be hungry after 40 days, okay? So that was to be expected. Now here come the devil again. Go ahead. And the devil said to him, If you are the son of God, command the stone, stone to become bread. Now, if me, and we talked about this in the Greek, there's three, three uh, definitions of if or levels of if. And this is not an if of him, uh, the devil not knowing. Okay, this is not if you are prove yourself. No, because that wouldn't necessarily be a sin because he'd be proving himself to someone who doubted, right? So the devil's not doubting who he is. The devil knows who he is. So this if is kind of a sense. Since you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. Since you are the son of God, you know, do what I want you to do. You know, and you'll be, you won't have to hunger no more. Okay? So since, and when I say since you are the son of God, in your mind, you say that's stronger than it was if. Like, I don't know, prove yourself. You know what I'm saying? Do a miracle and prove yourself. No, this is much deeper than this. This is about since you are who you say you are, and I know who you are, why don't you succumb to your fleshly desires and feed yourself? At my instruction. You see, there wouldn't have been nothing for Jesus to eat. But who's sitting here trying to coax him into eating and to, 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 to so-called verify and qualify himself to a creation that he created? Think about this. He created him. Okay? And that, that, that would, you know, we can't we can imagine if he would have did that, the ramifications for humankind. We can't even imagine if he would have bowed down and did what the devil wanted. But thanks be to God, he didn't. Amen. All right, go ahead. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Mm -hmm. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Mm -hmm. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me 
and I gave and I give it to whomever I wish. Now, you know, the scholars debate on when this happened. Did it happen when he fell and he sent him to the earth and he made him a charge of the earth realm uh, before Adam and Eve? You know what I'm saying? Or is, is this a thing that happened subsequent of because of Adam and Eve? Okay. Debate, not necessarily salvation related. Interesting to talk about. Interesting to debate. Not a deal killer, no matter which way you think. You know, uh, each side can prove it from what they see, but it's okay. So, and if you notice, what I notice, uh, Sister Lueda and, and, and Sister Joyce, and Mother and Frida, what I noticed is, you know how we say lust of the flesh, lust of our pride of life. They all kind of overlap into each other. You know what I'm saying? Like when we looked at the bread, okay, we cleared this, this the flesh, but when you go to that next one, it's like doubling down, like the pride of life and the, uh, the lust of the eye and the pride of life. And you see what I'm saying? That the last one contains all three. You know what I'm saying? Power. You know, you could have this power. Now, you look at all these kingdoms I'm showing you. They belong to me. I can give them to who I choose. Only if you bow down and worship me. Now it's kind of interesting that the first one did not, he did not, he did not bring down, bow down and worship me. Think about it. But now he's he's getting to what he really wants. He wants Jesus to bow down and send mankind into a double hell bound situation. Okay? All right, go ahead. <clears throat> Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, ye shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, <coughs> and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Amen. So we have the temptation of Jesus. He passed the test with the word of God. Um, he embodied the full armor of God. You know, it's almost as if the fasting helped him put the armor on to prepare for the battle. And you got to think about this, saints of God. Uh, when you talk about the full armor of God, when you talk about, you have to understand, when do you put on the armor? Before the battle, during the battle, or after the battle? Before. Before the battle. So you got to prepare yourself for your next battle. Why? There's a little lull time in your life. You can't not sit here and say, okay, I'll, I'll wait till the battle start and put it on. By that time, the enemy has attacked the one that you haven't put on. And you got to put on the full armor. Not the parts you like, the but the whole armor of God. Okay. That brings about even in the natural. Mm -hmm. You prepare before you go into the battle in the yeah. natural. Yeah. With your tanks, your armor, or whatever. Yeah. You always prepare before. Yeah, yeah. Even even athletic events. You train for the event. Mm -hmm. You know, you get you do all the, the, the hard training and equipping before you go into the battle. You know, that's why the, the so called fivefold ministry, if you read it carefully, is to equip the saints and prepare them, okay? It says to equip the saints and to edify the saints, to grow the saints up, to mature them into the full stature, 
All right. We have Philippians where it talked about knowing Jesus and walking in the power of the resurrection. Well, what is the prerequisite? You need to know Jesus before you can walk into the power. You know, it's just not because you just say you saved that you got this power. You know, that's a misunderstanding. And like I say, that's how we get false conversions. But we have Jesus using the word of God. And there's a reason behind that. Uh, free to go to uh, Matthew 28, 18. Let's see. And this verifies what I said about uh, the creature trying to get the creator to worship him. Okay, but there's one problem, 2018, that's, this is the problem. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's it. Go ahead, you can read 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus gives that order, but the one thing I wanted to point out in 18, what it says, how much power? Oh, all power, where? Oh heaven and on earth. So he had that when he when he came. He didn't have to get it. It's been given to him because he's he's the obedient son. He's the savior. He's the creator. You know, the Bible even tells us the rock that was struck back in uh, 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 the children of Israel was Jesus. Yeah, that was the rock. The manna that was fed was Jesus fed the man. You know what I'm saying? So we have Jesus all throughout the scriptures. Showing that he was he's not a created being. He was there in the beginning. Even he says, I was there in the beginning. You know, he's going to have a little uh, conversation, dialogue. He did dialogue with the Pharisees because he's going to say, I, I was before he before Abraham was. Yes. And then they're going to challenge him like, hold on, you ain't, you just turning 30. How, you, how are you before Abraham? He said, I am. And, and I am, we know it to be God. Okay? So... We have Jesus. He's been tempted. Free to pick up at verse 14. I didn't read 13. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And when, the, the, when is the next opportune time you think the devil came in him? If you had to pick pinpoint, knowing the old New, New Testament. When Gethsemane. You, Gethsemane. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. When he faced another crisis, the one first one was was uh, fasting, and then the second one was the, his impending death, where he sweat blood. And 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 again, normal response, not sinful, was, "Can you take this cup from me?" But the spirit response was, "Not my will, let your will be done." And one of the reasons why. Jesus is rewarded so well is because he was obedient to the Father until the end. Okay? He was obedient to the Father doing the end. All right, go ahead, Frida, pick up. 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding districts. Now, we have him returning to Galilee. So we're talking about the Galilean ministry. Okay? He's returning to Galilee under the power of the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. okay, and passing the test. Mm -hmm. Same thing with you. Mm -hmm. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's why you don't need no gimmicks. You don't need no angels. You already got the one in you who defeated the devil with the word of God. 
So it seems as if what you need to put in your heart and learn in your heart, like Jesus learned and knew, is the word of God that show up in any two-edged sword. Okay? And it's the gospel that is on your feet that make your feet beautiful. And the rest of the armor, but what I'm, what I'm trying to point out is uh, on today's religion, and we're going to watch a short film near the end. Uh, I meant to play in the beginning, but we're going to watch it near the end and see how foolishness this thing has gotten all over the world. And this is the stuff that we're combating. We're trying to break down the people. The Bible says that our war is not against flesh and blood, right? That's it's Ephesians 6. You know, we're going to talk about that too. But our war is not against flesh and blood. Uh, way to go to that. I think that 6, 14, 6, 6 and 12. So Ephesians. Yeah, Ephesians 6 and 12. Since we're talking about powers and, and stuff, let's see what actually he, he defeated the devil. But let's see who our war is against that we need to prepare for with the word of God and the armor, full armor. Ephesians 6 and 12. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, for we, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly place. Now, these things are not your neighbor. Okay? I know that's what you've been told. These things are not, because where are these places, where are they at? Where say where they located? They said. In heavenly places. Okay? So, you have these different classes of created beings, fallen angels, different classes, and he gives them in ranking. Okay? They're in ranking. All right? I'm going to say it again. They're in ranking. The person who's mean to you is not a spirit. That's them. <laughs> All right? That's them. Don't, don't let people pawn off their bad behavior on external things. These are external creatures, a realm to which we don't know of, a realm that Paul said you can't even talk about. Okay? So our battle is with these. these this is our real enemy right here. And how this enemy affects us is, keep reading. Okay, you want me to read 13? Keep reading, yep. Therefore, therefore, take up the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Keep going. Stand, therefore, having, having girled your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shown your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with, uh, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So it's your faith that stops all of this. Faith in who? The one that's greater than you that's in the world. The one that sits on the right hand side, side of God having all power. The one that just told us in Matthew 28, all power has been given to them. You, you already know the source to which your power comes from. And those principalities have to bow down to him. They have to. They don't get a choice. If he shows up, they got to do what he say. Because he created them, even though they're fallen. Okay, what's uh, Ephesians 6 and 11? Okay, Ephesians 6 and 11 says, 
Put on the whole. No, go to, ten, go to like eight or nine or something. I'm trying to find something in particular in my mind. Uh, ten says, finally, my brethren. Okay, go ahead. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Yeah, and that and that's what I was looking for. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Because one thing we do, we break down strongholds, right? And when it talks about breaking down strongholds, when you read that thing, it says the imaginations of men. So what what the what what these powers do is they do world stuff, but they deal with your imaginations. It's your imaginations that get caught up in these things that's not of God. Because they're so alluring. They're so beautiful to the flesh. You know, why not do that? Everybody else doing it. But if you're paying attention to what's been going on in the news, he's been, he been turning down these mega churches. Week after week after week. Week after week after week. Now SBC's looking crazy. God's not playing. No, he isn't. He's not playing. You could, you know, this is a time I wouldn't even want to waste my time being on Mega Church because he's coming after all of them. Because they're they are businesses. They have built edifices that honor them, not God. Look at what I built. This big old campus. And then you'll find out that 99% of them ain't even saved because you never ever dealt with repentance and sin. All you did was come in and say God loves you and he wants to bless you and come on over here and listen to our rock show music and sway back and forth. Me and Free was looking, looking at something about that earlier. I'm going to send you guys. You know, you got to pay attention to these lyrics because these lyrics are the ones who see play into your imagination and when they get to get you swaying back and forth like that, you don't even know what them lyrics really, be, really mean. You're just assuming because they say they're Christian songs, they're Christian songs, and they're not. They're songs that play into your imagination, especially you ladies. I'm going to say this, especially you ladies. 90% of these songs are written to your emotions. That's why I have freedom to get up here and sing solid songs before service. Yeah, everybody don't, you ain't swaying. You listen to the lyrics. Some lyrics are, are godly. Like I told her, God let her go to Lutheran school so she can know all them hymns. Them hymns got doctrine in it. This stuff now just make you feel good. God wants me to swim. He understands my heart. He wants me to feel good. And you know, I don't understand. I was sitting alone. <laughs> just big, just a, just a R&B song. In the Christian genre, no salvation, no sanctification, no sin mentioned, nothing. Just, you know, no wretchedness. So we have this power in us. And I, and I want and, and, and what, I, what I've learned, you guys, is that I can't convince you you have it. You have to search it out and be tested to know that you have it. <coughs> I'm stating a fact. I'm teaching a fact, but you need to have experience with that fact. That power of the resurrection. Only you can experience that. I can tell you my stories, but it takes a, a level of, of heartfelt seeking him and humility as you go through different stuff to really see the power. Because you really see the power once you endure it. And you look back and say, you know what? At that point in time, I thought it was kind of over. Things were crashing in on me, but you know what? But God, I endured it. Hallelujah. And guess what? I was in the word when I was going through. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what he tells you. All right? All right. Let's go back to um, uh, Luke. Frida, you go ahead and start up again. <clears throat> Verse 15. Mm -hmm. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. So he's, hey, everybody loves him. No. Now, right. <laughs> How short-lived it is when you're teaching good doctrine, when the devil shows up and says he has an alternative. And what I've learned is churches that are normally preaching good doctrine, they don't get as many views on YouTube as the other ones do. No, they don't. <laughs> you know, even the great John MacArthur, you think, okay, his church. He ain't got about 7,000 people go to this church, but that man been preaching that church for 50 years. Mm -hmm. These hill songs and all that, man, these, these things are a decade old. Hundreds and thousands and thousands and thousands of people following them. Because there's no requirement of God for them for real. God is God, and Jesus' whole purpose is, I love you, I want you to feel fuzzy, and I want you to feel warm, and I want to give you some stuff. As, last time I read this, the way they said Jesus died for sins. Yes, he did. You don't want to talk about that because guess what? People don't want to face that. I'm okay. I don't do, I don't steal like Luella. I only, I only took one ink pen. She took a whole box. But you look at it. Why are you stopping me at the door? You know, why are you stopping me at the door? You know, but, but again, you know, like Luella, I'm glad she, she chatted in. They love him now, but he ain't got any behind yet. You see what I'm saying? We gonna see this. He 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 about to he about to cross over real soon. Hold on. They love him now. He's in Galilee doing. He doing it. He preaching. Go ahead in the synagogues. All right. Go ahead. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Mm -hmm. So his hometown. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. See so. Custom, as is customary, he's a rabbi, he's going to go to the synagogue, teach, and read. Customs and, 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 uh, and things we do in church, because this is what we do, is not a bad thing. You know, I'm trying to get people to see that all rituals aren't bad. It's bad when you say those rituals have to be performed for you to have a relationship with God. Okay, that's the only reason they come back. When you elevate them above what God says is important. You know, if somebody started 9, 10, 11, that's what they do. That's not evil. But if you tell me I'm going to go to hell because we started 10 or 9 and because the Lord time or we got to start at 5 o'clock in the morning because the sun coming up and it says search them out, you know, why it's still morning, then that's wrong. That means you twisted the scripture. So he's doing what is customary by an Israelite. All right? No big deal. Go ahead. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Stop. Is there a period right there? Yes. 
Okay, what verse you on? 19. 19. Okay. Now, let's go to Isaiah 61. We know what, what was said, but we got to find out a lot of times it's what's not said that you need to pay attention to. See, we know what was said. So just put a put a pen in Isaiah 61 for a second. All right? Just put a pen 61 and 1. All right? Let we go we going to go through that in a few seconds, all right? So, again, sometimes it's best to 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 see in comparison. Anytime you say as it is written, it means it's in the Old Testament somewhere. And you need to go back and look for it. Because we wouldn't have known nothing about the testing of the heart and the humility when he said he led them in the wilderness and he fed them. And we went back and saw that and we're like, okay, there's more to it than meets the eye. Because the point for going to the wilderness was to test their heart and test their humility. Well, we can draw the same. Why are we led into different wilderness moments? Test our heart, test our humility. And you're not being led into the wilderness because you're disobedient. I was talking to a sister yesterday. I was teaching. I say, the light came on to me. We make wilderness bad. Wilderness is not bad. Wilderness is where God hones us, teaches us, and conforms us. Okay? When you do something bad, the punishment for the Israelites were captivity. Wilderness came to be a, a place that they learned about the God after they was in captivity. Because when did they go in the wilderness in Egypt? After 400 years of captivity. So that, that period after captivity when he delivers you is a period for you to get to know who he is and know God. You have to remember 400 years, they know they had forgot about, they knew of their God, but they had no relationship with their God. Only thing they knew was to cry out. All the rituals stopped. Everything had stopped other than probably circumcision. Okay? Every, to test their heart. And test their humility. Okay. So the wilderness moment, when you're in the wilderness, that's one thing. When you're in captivity under somebody else's control, that's a whole nother thing. Okay. That's a whole nother situation for you. All right. So let's start the way to Isaiah 61 and 1. Let's see. Compared to what Frida read. Okay. Okay. Follow along. Uh, Frida, you follow along in, uh, in Luke. Okay. And then, but you don't say nothing. Go ahead. Read. Okay. Isaiah 61, starting at the first verse. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, mm -hmm. to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Stop. What's left out in what Frieda read? Go back to Luke. Frieda, read it again. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. <clears throat> he has set me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. What's left out? The vengeance. The vengeance. Jesus was given the instruction to proclaim the good news. He was not there to proclaim the vengeance because the vengeance comes later. Mm. 
Okay? Because when he returns, he's going to return like a what? A lion. Right. But he's he's proclaiming salvation. Mm. So it's what's not said that we should grab hold to. That it wasn't time for vengeance. It wasn't time for the Lord to take revenge on the, his disobedient nation of Israel and the world who were heathens. Okay? It was his time to proclaim the good news. All right, free to pick up. Verse 20. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. So he closed the book. Now, custom. The way they do it, you stand for the word, then you sit down. and you sit down to teach. We reverse, you preach standing up. And you might stand for the word, depending on what church you're in. You know what I'm saying? Or they may read the word from a table. It's not that big a deal. It's nothing to fall out about. You know, whether they preach from the seat, whether they preach standing up, if Jesus sat down and taught, that was their custom, then we could say, why can't we? We can if we want to. Don't get bent out of shape by formalities. You'll get lost in that. <clears throat> and that's the pride of man. Oh, we do it this way because that's it. I can show you the Bible where they see where Jesus sat to teach, as we just saw, as it was customary, which means that's the way they did it every time they got together for synagogue, okay? All right? And you got to remember, synagogue is not the temple. The temple's in Jerusalem. The synagogue is what they did in between the times they went to the temple, okay? So it's a lot of people get confused. They're like, the synagogue is the temple. No, it's not. You had synagogues in all them cities. Only, only, the only requirement for a synagogue was that you had to have, and, I, and, and again, I, I, wanna, I'm, I know I'm close enough, you had to have 12 men. <coughs> For sure. And then, of course, their company families. Because a lot of times in the Bible, we get caught off on the men thing, but it's assumed that these godly men got children and families. Okay? All right? So it's you had to have a minimum of 12 and a teacher. All right? You had to have a teacher. All right? Uh, so he sat down, and the Bible says he began to, to teach, right? Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Freda. Mm -hmm. And all the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Mm -hmm. And he began to say to them. Now pay attention. Here we, here we go to flip. Go ahead. Now remember, we just read they loved him. They cherished him. Everybody heard about him. He was renowned. He read the scripture. That's about fine. But now he's about to teach something based upon the scripture. That's gonna, gonna, We're going to see what happens. Go ahead. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, and all were speaking well of him and, uh -oh. and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. So as long as long as the pastor's speaking gracious words to you, you're in love with him. The minute he going to come with what's behind it is some hard words, then you ready to run out the door. Okay. All, see, the, all you got to do is read these stories and say, you know what? We still like that. Yes, we are. You know, we still like we that. Are. We want to. We want. We want the hallelujah run around the church moments all the time. We don't want a, a sober moment. And the Bible used to call it what? Wait, a sober assembly. That means you thought. That don't mean you cried. That means you. If 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 the truth makes you cry, great. But you had a, you were had your thinking cap on. Not this emotional thing. All right. Think about, oh, they were amazed at how gracious he was and the words of exhortation out of his mouth. Here we go, the twist. Go ahead. And they were saying, 
Is this not Joseph's son? We can't believe it. This is Joseph's son talking like this? Shoot, you, you know, you know, you know him and Mary did something before that. They say they did, but they did. You know, there's a lot written up in that is that Joseph's son part. Like he ain't got no business doing talking like that, but okay, go ahead. And he said to them, no doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. So what he's saying is, there's going to come a time where you're going to look at me and tell me to heal myself. When would, when would that would be? When he was on the cross. Save thyself. Save thyself. <coughs> if you be the son of God. And the, and the mockers say, physician, heal yourself. You, you, you did all these miracles. Because you got to remember, they knew that he did all these miracles. Nobody, There's nowhere in here where they denied his miracles. They tried to attribute them to, to Satan. But they never denied that he was doing real miracles. Okay? So you have this situation where he's, he's prophesying, like the Proverbs say, you're going to say, physician, heal thyself. And whatever you did in Capernaum, do here in Nazareth. But we know that the Bible tells us uh, uh, at some point that uh, he didn't do no miracles in Nazareth because they, they were not believers. Unbelief. Unbelief stopped that one. Okay? Unbelief breaks the relationship. And it's, and it's not healthy doubt because then what we can say is there's a couple of times in Old Testament where the person didn't believe that they were called by God. But that's a whole different thing. They had God in front of them. Okay, he he talked to them. He was teaching them. You know, you know, he 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 was well liked, well known. But now he's about to rub them the wrong way. Go ahead. And he said, "Truly, I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. Mm -hmm. But I say to you, in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months." When the great famine came over all the land, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. Stop right there. So he was sent to Zarephath and Sidon, a woman that was a miracle. He wasn't sent to the whole nation. The nation was under judgment, and the rain stopped. That's why when you read Malachi when they talk about the, the windows of heaven going to be open, they talking about rain. They ain't talking about nothing else. Don't try to spiritualize it. He's on because rain is important in a desert region. Hallelujah. It, today, right now, rain is important in Israel. No rain, no crops. Now they've learned to have a special irrigation system, but rain is important in a desert land. You know, can't wait till it rains. All right. So you have Jesus now telling them a story that's in a book. Okay? A story, you can go back and read it later, but a story that's in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. Okay? That's in their book. So, hey, there ain't no problem. We t he's reading the truth. He's teaching the truth. Go ahead. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. Mm -hmm. And none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. That's Second Kings. Okay? Chapter 5. Alright? You can go back and read that. We're not going to read that today. But you can go back and read the actual story. 
Now, again, this was being preached out of the Septuagint. All right? And there's some reasons why that I'm not going to go into today, but meaning that was preached out of the Greek version, not the Hebrew version, because of some of the, the way it's laid out. Okay? The Septuagint, the Greek version. So he's reading out of the Greek version. He talks about those two stories that's in their scriptures, okay? And he talks about the, the, the Seraphonician woman, and he's talking about the uh, uh, Naaman, Naaman, okay? This, and Naaman was a leper, and she was a widow, okay? Her, you know, she was, she was, she was hurting, you know, with no rain, okay? Now, I'm a, before we get, before we go, before we get started, is anything wrong with what we see so far? Don't read ahead. Just tell me, is anything wrong? Off the surface, God, he's telling a true story, right? Yes. Is, so is there anything wrong yet? Should they have a problem with what's been said? No. Because it's in their book. No. Yeah, so this is this is not something that's foreign to them. This is something that's known to them. They know this story. You got to remember there's Pharisees sitting there too. And Sadducees, so the experts are sitting there and they're nodding their heads say, okay, okay, okay. So there's no problem right now. He's still on. He's still my favorite favorite uh, prophet. Okay, let's see what the problem gonna be. Go ahead. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And oh, stop! They hold on now. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Two minutes ago, I gave a sermon and said I was here to to make the blind see, the lame, all that. I was here for all that, and you loved it. Now I tell this story, which is in the same book, and you're filled with rage. Why do you think they were filled with rage? Because then two people in the story wasn't, they weren't Israelites. There you go. They were Gentiles. They were Gentiles. So when your Hebrew-like Israelite boys come and holler at y'all at them gas stations and stuff like they do, and they tell you you're the chosen race, you can go to them two stores and say he had his hands on the Gentiles too. Not just them only. Matter of fact, he skipped all the nation of Israel and went to two Gentiles. Two. Two Gentiles. So, so we have this situation whereas we have these two Gentiles God showing favor towards. Okay. It's filled with rage because it's not them. But it's a true story. Okay. It's a true story. All right. So go ahead, uh, Frida. And they got up and drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him and yeah, in order to throw him down the cliff. Mm -hmm. But passing through their midst, he went his way. So this story passed through his midst. He went his way. They are upset because God has shown favor in two of their own stories. In 1 Kings and 2 Kings, that God has his hand on the Gentile nation too. And you'll have to remember, in, 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 in uh, Capernaum, it's a centurion, who, a Gentile centurion, that built their structure for a synagogue. What's that centurion's name? Do y'all remember? Think about Acts. What's a centurion's name that built a synagogue. Oh, we'll get to that. Okay. So, so we have this because remember his servant was sick and they said he's a good guy because he helped build the synagogue. 
Y'all remember that story? And he said, I'm a man under authority just like you. Just speak, just, just speak the word. Yeah. And then his credibility, took what they came to Jesus with is he helped us build this synagogue. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll discuss that later. There's no big deal right now. But what I want you to see is there's always a problem with the Israelites when Gentiles get blessed, even though it's in their book. Okay. What are y'all? What are y'all talking about? Because I, I, we could hear you. No, I mean, what are you asking? No, me talking to two people. What about it? I mean, talk, huh? Do you know what book they're in? That's what you want to know. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the woman is in First uh, Kings chapter seventeen, okay. and the other one is in Second Kings chapter five. Okay. okay, and they were Gentiles; they were not Jews. And that's why the Jews were upset because he started off well, right? Yeah. You know, read Isaiah 61, put a period, you know, didn't talk about the vengeance. And now he goes into this situation with these two Gentiles being blessed by God. That blessing of what he read in 61 was now given to, this, to these Gentiles. And remember the story uh, uh Naaman that, that, that he was told, to, uh, the prophet said, go get him. Bring him here and told him to go wash in the dirty river seven times. And his, and his, and his servant, he said, how dare he basically, don't you know who I am? I'm a general of the Syrian army. And his, and his servant said, but if he told you to go out and kill a whole bunch of people basically and do some war stuff, you do it to be blessed and cleansed, right? He said, yeah. He said, well, why not just try this? This is not going to hurt you. And he did and he was healed. Okay, but this is the key. What was the problem of what they said? We know why, but what doctrine is being taught by this, this, this narrative right here? What doctrine do you think is being taught? What lesson is being taught? What's the lesson that's being taught? That they don't want anybody to be blessed with them. No, that's not the lesson. That's part of the issue. What's the lesson God's trying to show us? Okay. Oh, what you say? Hold on, hold on, Joyce. What you say? That's right. That he will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. Okay. It's not based upon you. Mercy is based upon who he wants to give it to. And they didn't want to hear that because it is their God for them. But then he shows them one of their own stories. And it's kind of funny when, when, when the Israelites skip over the stories that you clearly see Gentiles being blessed by the God of Israel. But he said, I'm the God of the Jew and the Gentile. Okay, so, so this is a story where we see the equality of God, the beauty of God, even towards the people who are not his people. But he shows mercy upon them to encourage us. He got us too. So the so 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 you said that, and that you have a smart McGee. I gotta go a little higher. What I'm gonna say this again. You were right. But I'm looking for another word too to go along with what she said. She gave me the passage that tells us what was going on. But if you had to give it an overall one word definition of the doctrine being taught, what would it be? Great grace. Grace and salvation? No. It's not grace? Uh-uh. 
Think about this. I, I'm going to give you a hint. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. Don't you? You can't use the word mercy. Okay. So, so what does God do? I'm, I'm trying to lead you in there slowly. Let everybody else may get it. You know, if you get, if you know what type it in, it begin with an E. No, even though that that's contained in it, but no. E L. I'm gonna spell it out for y'all. We're gonna play a game show. E L E L E L E. No, no. E L E C. E L E C T. Election. The doctrine of election. He will do to whom he wants. He's elected. He uh, that's the doctrine of election. That's one of the first times you see this, where you see God. Anytime you see, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy is the doctrine of election. When God sovereignly does to his creation what he wants to do, not being prompted by any by anything other than the way he wants to perform it. Okay? Because these these this story is about the the the, the widow the, the story about the widow and the uh and the uh uh Haman are stories about Gentiles getting the blessings of God which he read. But see they only thought the blessings was for them. Exclusive. That's Exclusive. Okay. Did nobody else? Because they are the chosen people. But again, they didn't read the part of the Bible and say the only reason I chose you is because I wanted to. The doctrine of election. Not because he didn't choose Abraham because Abraham was so great. He chose Abraham because that's what he wanted to do. You have to remember, they started with one person, turned into three, four people, turned into 12 sons, and turned into a nation in captivity. Okay, so this Israel wasn't this big, huge nation until they went to captivity. That's for 400 years they had more children. And matter of fact, the Egyptians knew, say, if unless we put them in captivity, they having babies on top of babies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then it said, then it said there was a Pharaoh did did not know Joseph. That's right. And he they they said, okay, our plan is we're gonna lead them into subjectivity and captivity, which was prophesied about. Mm -hmm. But but the point is, God sovereignly does stuff. You can't control God. It is his prerogative. It is his way. And sometimes God, all times, God does what he wants to do. It's not your coaxing. It's not your religious activity. Yes, you being obedient for your sake, not for his. You know, so don't act like you control God with anything that you do. Okay. God still will have mercy upon whom he have mercy. You and, he, you and me could be doing the same thing, and God bless me in the way he don't bless you. That's what he wants to do. That's why we should get never get jealous looking at somebody else's blessing. Amen to that. Or somebody, put it this way, Amen. you want the blessing of somebody else, but do you want the, the will to this moment they had to go through to get it? Amen. That's the part you don't see. You don't, you don't want that part. You know, that we always say in secular, you know, what, walk a mile in somebody else's shoes? Okay, so so there we have this lesson for the day is about God's sovereignty, God's election. And what, we, what, what I want you to take from this is to don't get so caught up into thinking because we the church, we better than the Israelites. 
This was written for our, uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 4, tells us these things are written for our learning. Okay? For our learning. So we're supposed to learn from them. And one of the greatest lessons that we can learn from them is where they made a mistake, let us not make the mistake. Let us not think more of ourselves than we should. Let us humble ourselves. Because that's what's being tested at, at every turn is our ability as a body of Christ to be humble and have our heart set on the things of God. And if your heart is set on the things of God, you have a target on your back just like Jesus. And he promised if you're doing the right thing, you're going to be persecuted. And if you're doing the right thing, if they did it to him who is green, they're going to do it to you who is, who is dry. So why are you trying to escape your destiny when your destiny is wrapped up in suffering well? Back to our old lesson a year ago, learning how to suffer well. Whatever state you're in, learn to be content. There are going to be times where you have a lot. There are going to be times you have nothing. But in all things, you still got Jesus. Amen. And as we put him first, there's some healing that can go on. That's what he was trying to tell them. If you put me first, all of you thousands of years, if you put me first, I'll heal your land, you'll have your crops, you'll have all of this. Everything I promised you, because their relationship was, if you do this, then I'll bless you. Our relationship is Jesus did what we could not, and we blessed. In fact, we believe in what he did for us at the cross. Whole different relationship. They went to the temple. We are the temple. Hallelujah. See, the commission to them was be this temple, the be this icon in the middle of the desert, and all people like the uh, Bathsheba, and then would come to see the God of Israel. But what ended up happening is they just got corrupted like everybody else. And God forsaid it. The, the temple's going to be torn down. It's going to be a byword. Mm -hmm. Okay? So as church, what do we draw from this? Again, stay humble. Stay, and, and this is what I'll say. Stay small in, 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 in natural stature, but be large in the spirit. We don't need a whole bunch of people. I've always said this. We just need some faithful people. And everybody's listening to me. I, I'm not talking numbers. I'm talking quality. Twelve people that turned on the world, and the, and the Bible's still the, high, the, the, the largest selling, most popular selling book in the world. But yet, the world hates Jesus. But they buy in his book. Because we know in his book, that's the only hope they have. So be encouraged. So again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we're going to watch a short film, a little eight-minute thing before everybody leaves. And then uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, pick up where we left off at verse, what, 15, 16? No, verse, so what, 20? 30, 30. Verse 30. Verse 31. Okay, well, we'll pick up there where we left off at review for the last time. And we hope that you enjoyed the Bible study. We always want you to be encouraged, blessed, and peace. And what? Walk in truth. Thank you for tuning in to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast on the WITRN network. Come join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time for Sunday worship. Bible study is held on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are located at 3006 North Lindbergh Boulevard Suite 711, St. Louis, Missouri, 63074. 
All are welcome and we look forward to seeing you soon. Oh, my God.